Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that time in the Bible where it might have actually been the very first barbecue ever recorded, and turns out even God's an appreciator of a good smoked meat. If you're wondering, what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Genesis chapter 8, verses 20, all the way to Genesis 9, 17. My guest for today is Pastor Kessia Rain. Pastor, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. It's uh, frigid, just the way I like it this time of year, so feeling happy. Yes, I, I don't know what the weather is wherever you are and whenever you are watching this, but for us, it's a couple days after Christmas, which for you is the third day of Christmas. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm egging people on. I like to wait to celebrate Christmas until Christmas Day, and then I keep it going for all 12 days. Hey, there you go. There you go. Sounds like a fun family tradition. Um, I know that this isn't the most important part of the text, but it did stand out to me as I was reading about it, the whole kind of like barbecue idea. I think that this is uh, the first time in scripture that we're recorded like an explicit permission for us to eat meat. We, we talked back way back when in our, I think it was our second episode, where we talked about having sex and being vegan was kind of the original plan. Um, now we're seeing that things are changing. And I guess this makes sense, right? The, the whole earth has just been destroyed by a flood. And I'm going to guess that vegetables are going to be a little bit harder to find post-flood. Yeah, it took days, you know, it, earlier in chapter eight, you'll see how long it took just for some plants to show up. Mm -hmm. So yes, definitely that was a thing. And what we do find though, is there are lots of firsts in this passage. There's yeah. a first uh, burnt offering mm -hmm. where this is the first time where it's recorded that there's an altar. Oh, there's never been an altar in scripture before. So this okay. first and God, and there's smoke that arises and this is like pleasing to God. So this is a first also. And then God gives this permission where he says, um, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Just as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But he does give a caveat. Right. 
So where do we want to start off? I, I guess maybe this isn't inconsequential to the text because it seems to be front and center with the whole thing. The idea of eating meat, the idea of the burnt offering. Uh, I was making light of it, calling it a barbecue. But I don't know. This, I guess this isn't terribly far off from the truth. So, so I guess one of the questions that I have when I, when I approach this text is like, you know, you see this really interesting maybe flip-flopping of God. In, in a couple episodes ago with Ben, we talked about the idea of God regretting uh, having made man and the sorrow that he experienced just because of the pain that, you know, human humans were causing so much uh, devastation one against the other that it pained God's heart. And now it seems like now that he's had a good barbecue and a good meal, uh, now he's feeling better. Like that's an <laughs> oversimplification, but like, it just feels like the time, you know, when you have a little kid who's crying, it's like, do you need a snack? Is that, is, or do you need a nap? Is that kind of what's going on? And, and obviously I'm downplaying this, but it, but it does stand out to me that after God smells the sacrifice, he's like, okay, cool. I feel better now. Never going to have to do that again. Uh, yeah. Was God hangry? Was that exactly. the real problem? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what? what is interesting here is that um, this is a whole recreation account, actually. Mm-hmm. So you remember like way, way back first chapter, the Bible says that the earth was was formless and void. It was mm. chaotic and empty. Right. It was it, it was like it was a mess, basically, like total mess. And then God creates and he makes light and he separates things. So he organizes the world and then he fills the world with good things. Well, then the flood is a is more chaos and destruction. And so there's a whole rationale given for why that happens. But then on the other side of it, God is recreating. He's establishing a new creation. And so as part of that, you see all sorts of things um, that are coming that are being repeated. So mm-hmm. the promise to be, or the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, the reiteration that humans are made in God's image, God making a promise um, and, and all of this kind of thing. So why, why was God so happy after the sacrifice and reestablishing creation? Was it because he finally got the snack he needed? He's like, <laughs> if you guys would have just done the barbecue you earlier, know, we would have avoided all this mess. Yeah. 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 A year ago, we wouldn't have needed to do this flood, but it was, um, here is this whole destruction and out comes this man, Noah, and all that has been preserved because of Noah's obedience. Hmm. And Noah makes this sacrifice of thanks to the Lord. Hmm. And finally, after all the heartache of grief after grief and violence on violence on violence and the pain of having to destroy creation and all flesh had the breath of life in it. There is finally that the the earth is at peace again. Hmm. And, you know, Noah's name means rest or relief. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of puns all through the story. That That seems to even echo the creation account of God resting as well. You got that right (laughs) there, Justin. Absolutely. Patting myself on the back right now. Yeah, pat, pat yourself on the back. You earned that one. Absolutely. And so like, finally, the earth is at rest. And here comes this righteous man whose name means rest or relief. And the first thing that happens when they come out of the ark is, God, thank you for your preservation. Hmm. Thank you for your work of righteousness. Thank you for preserving the earth from human violence in this way. Thank you for for making a new start. And I think that's that's what pleases God's heart is there's been an elimination, a rest from the violence. And now his his eyes and his heart get to behold a righteous person acting in gratitude. Hmm. You know, when I think about saying thanks, um, burning an animal 
is not usually the thing that comes to my mind. Like, you know, if like, I don't know. It just, it just seems bizarre, especially given the fact that like, there's very little context for this ahead. I mean, maybe Abel gave kind of an animal. There's some, he offered animals. I don't know if that was a burnt offering or whatever. Is there any, uh, is there any background to how, why this might have been the practice, that why this would have made sense to Noah in, in his context that we're, we're not aware of in the text? You know, there are only a few hints of animal sacrifice that come before. The first one is when God clothes Eve and Adam, as they're as they're leaving the Garden of Eden, he clothes them with animal skins. So the first death that happens as a result of their sin covers them. And it really is, you know, you see this pointing to the sacrifice that covers us. Then you see Eve, uh, you see Cain and Abel, like you just mm-hmm. mentioned, and Abel like offering from the from the animals, Mm -hmm. but we don't see too much explicit instruction on it, except that even before the flood happens, God has talked to Noah in chapter seven about clean animals and unclean animals. And that plays a part later in making the sacrifice. So I know for you, probably on Valentine's day, you don't really want Emily bringing you like, I don't know, a smoked pigeon, (laughs) you know, like, set a bird on fire and you're like oh now i feel appreciated yes this is what i was looking for all year this is what i was looking for and and in a sense it kind of think of how it would make sense in terms of what that person is giving up Hmm. like what they're giving up some of their livelihood or some of what is the best to them some of what you know they're they don't have credit cards in noah's day there's no one swiping an atm yeah, there's like, there's no Lululemon or Apple or whatever. Like, I mean, they after the flood, they can't go out to the local market and purchase a gift. Yeah, this is what they had, uh, and it was so. Imagine how precious it would have been, hmm. knowing how limited a commodity it was, and and God has already ex- God God will explain here in chapter nine how important that life is. God does not take even even animal life lightly, hmm. um, and He makes that clear in. Chapter nine, verse four, don't eat the flesh with the blood in it Mm. because that's the life of the animal. So God even cares about the life of animals. So that is precious to him, even in the sacrifice. Yeah. On that note that, you know, animals are an important part. I I was also noting in later in in our passage for today, it talks about how the covenant is not just given to Noah and his family, but like literally he makes a covenant with the animals that are survivors of this ark experience as well. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that because we usually leave them out of it. We see the rainbow and when we teach it to kids, you know, we're like, what's the rainbow a sign of? You know, um, it's a sign of God's love and it is, but it's a sign of God's love. He makes it explicitly a, a covenant, a promise to Noah, to Noah's sons, to all of their descendants, to all the creatures of the earth and to the earth itself in verse 13, a mm. sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And that is so, I think, powerful because we will sometimes become so human-centric that we yeah. forget that the earth plays a whole part in the story of redemption. God really cares about this planet. He made it, mm-hmm. and he cares so much about it. He wants to preserve it. And so he he makes this promise to, I mean, everything, all of creation. Yeah. And he pledges himself to it unconditionally, no strings attached. It, it, it stood out to me because I know that I've actually utilized parts of Genesis to kind of downplay the importance of stewardship over the earth and animals. You know, like 
I've I've held the opinion like oh recycling out oh, whatever who cares like it's all gonna burn anyways like this idea that the earth's gonna be destroyed and remade new or whatever the case is at the second coming and I would even use uh, you know verses like oh you know what like God gave Adam dominion over all the animals so it's like this idea that, like they're they're resources for humans and and we're what is important we're what's kind of center and front stage and and, and I've used the story of creation and what the stories that we've been going through to kind of make this point and I'm realizing oh shoot like no uh God actually values these lives I don't know if just as much as accurate or not but I, I do know this that and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not actually a Hebrew scholar, but the same word for the breath that is given to Adam and Eve is also the same word that is given to all the different animals. And so there's a certain respect in which we all have that same breath from God. You're totally right. It shows up there in Genesis 1 at the end of that chapter. It shows up here in Genesis 9, actually, um, and all through the the flood account where he says all flesh that has the breath of life in it when he's talking about animals. And Ecclesiastes actually goes super hard on this point and, and is like, listen, you're an animal and their fate is your fate. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, Ecclesiastes pulls no punches right and comes so hard with that existential stuff. I'm looking forward to season, I don't know, 45 when we go through <laughs> Ecclesiastes. That'll be super fun. Let's make it next season, season four, Ecclesiastes. That's a natural jump from Genesis to Ecclesiastes. I know, everyone's waiting, everyone's favorite book. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, so last thing I think that's worth kind of maybe honing in on a little bit, maybe mining if there's anything else there, the idea of the rainbow. I mean, I get that God makes a covenant, but it doesn't seem like in many other places, I'm, I'm pausing to reflect, uh, maybe this isn't true, and you can you can, you can can see and interact with this idea that, that oftentimes when God makes a covenant, there's not an actual external visual element to it. Is that fair? Yeah, I think we have three examples. We have the rainbow. Now, this is kind of off the top of my head. So okay. we yeah, have the we... rainbow for this covenant with creation. We mm-hmm. have circumcision for oh, the sign right. of family. And then we have the Sabbath as a sign of God sanctifying his people. Hmm. Okay, so I think out of those three, let's just pretend that those are the conclusive three that exist. Two of the three, think to our audience, make a lot of sense. Uh, the idea of Sabbath and rest in the finished work of Jesus makes a lot of sense to, to those of us who are listening. Uh, the idea of circumcision, for those of us who have looked a little bit more deeply, and what does it mean to be chopping the flesh off or putting off the old man? I think that maybe less, but that's an easier to, to understand analogy for a lot of our listeners. But the rainbow, that doesn't. how does that tie into jesus or the gospel or or why why did it have to be rainbow why couldn't god plant a new tree and it it just seems like it's a placeholder and that the rainbow itself maybe lacks some kind of significance i don't know i think what makes sense to me about it and there maybe there's a better interpretation out there but what makes sense to me about it in genesis 9 14 these are the words of god and he says to noah when i bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant. Hmm. And so the, the, the rainbow comes in the case of rain. And what we have in Genesis, we don't have any record of rain falling until right. the flood. Yeah. So like, is this, I, I also saw a verse that seemed to suggest this is when seasons started kind of be a thing. It does kind of seem, yeah, like maybe the atmosphere, the whole thing is changed now. Right, verse 22, sea time, harvest, cold, heat, summer, winter, day and night. Right, right. And so 
So imagine if like you're just living life and all of a sudden something catastrophic happens mm. and that's rain. Mm -hmm. And when it rains, like again, it rains 40 days, 40 nights. Oh, like, there's no such thing as the Portland sprinkle or the Seattle mist or whatever, any of that. Okay. Exactly. Right. Like it's catastrophic. And mm. so it would be pretty comforting next time you see rain to see the sign like, oh, wait. But God promised this one is not destroying the earth. Okay. So I don't need to go running for the hills on this this kind of rain. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, maybe for us now, like, I mean, you know, you're in the Pacific Northwest. I lived in the Pacific Northwest a long time. But anyone who's ever experienced life long enough knows that rain is not typically very dangerous to us. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe that's worn off. But I think at least in a metaphorical sense, you can see, like, it kind of makes sense. You want to see a promise mm. when things are like a little gloomy, you know, mm. when it's not all sunshine. Like you need a little rainbow. Love it. Okay. That makes sense to me. I get it. Awesome. I, I love, by the way, that we can throw out these questions. Sometimes when I when I tee up these questions, I'm like, I really wonder what you're going to say. Like, is there so? And, 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 and all the cards on the table, I don't know, is always a sufficient answer. Like, that's if that's the true answer, hey, that's okay. We're, we're okay with that. We're not afraid of I don't knows and God will teach us later kind of things. But I appreciate that, uh, that you've spent some time thinking about this and, and you got some some insight to share with us. Well, it just happened as I was reading this text. If you'd asked me before I reread it, I'd probably been like, I, uh, mm, uh, let's go back to the Bible. But that's actually something I love about the Bible is that there's so much space for I don't know because it's not a mm. book that was meant to be totally grasped, comprehended, and mastered in one single reading. It yeah. invites us back again and again. So there's lots always that I'm like, hmm. There you go. Awesome. Well, that's what we do here on The Move. We're excited to be able to ask questions, to pause for reflection, and maybe sometimes we get to learn something in the process too. So thank you so much, Kessia, for Kessia Rain, for the uh, conversation again today. Looking forward to our next episode. Me too. Thanks, Justin. Hey guys, for today's plug, we actually wanted to give you, the audience, the shout outs. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things that are happening. And at the end of every episode, we're going to be pointing to some of the cool things that are happening. But one of the coolest things is actually you guys, the audience. There are a handful of you guys who are rallying together, supporting the show. And we wanted to give a special shout out to Pastor Puya. If you know Pastor Puya, he is a fantastic pastor on one, actually, I don't know which church, but somewhere in Hawaii, which is, I'm sure is a fantastic thing. And he's been a supporter of both the move and some of the other shows that we've created over the last handful of years. And so we just want to say a huge thank you. Uh, wherever you're coming from, whether you're a pastor, you're a lay person, whether you're following every single episode or you only catch the one-offs here and there, um, your engagement, your supports, your prayers, your just encouragement means so much to us. And so we just want to say a huge shout out and a huge thank you to all of you guys who are supporting us. If you would like to be able to be a part of this group and maybe even hear your name on a future episode of The Move, you can do so by pledging over at patreon.com slash jku and support for even as little as $1 a month. That's patreon.com slash jku.